How many of you love Christmas? Come on, who are my Christmas people? God, love Christmas, excited. Y'all are better and more excited than the first service, so I'm already excited about that. I love Christmas, uh, love the season, love the lights, love the parties, love the festivities, love the food, getting together, family, friends, all the stuff. It's also a great time to be able to look back on this past year. I was just, my daughter and I, we were looking back, she had like a little, uh, on her phone, a little photo thing that was all the, things that had happened over the year, and we just were getting to think back to everything that God did this year. It's really a fun thing to be able to do. It's so fun to be able to reflect. That's what this season brings. And of course, one of the, the most unique things that this season brings is this mass gift exchange. It's unlike any other time of the year because there's gifts that happen, but it's never like this. I mean, you can have an anniversary where you get to exchange gifts with your special someone, or um, uh, there's birthdays where one person's getting the gifts and we all stand around and watch them open presents. But this is the one time of year where everybody's getting something from everybody, right? And it's fun and it, it can be really meaningful because it's not usually even about dollars or any of those kinds of things. It's usually just about the thoughtfulness. It's usually about just, I thought about you and I think about you and I, I, I thought this would be great for you. I thought you would love this. It's a, a chance to say, uh, you're meaningful to me and to receive and feel like, hey, I was, I was meaningful to someone. And it can be even some, sometimes like the silliest kinds of things. Um, uh, my, this has happened every year since I, as long as I can possibly remember, my dad and my uncle exchange one gift every Christmas and they get each other a box of chocolate covered cherries and they just exchange the exact same box to each other. And it's like, do you really need to do that? I mean, what's the point? You, and they know, and listen, they, they do not exchange any other gifts at all. That's just it. They give each other this box of chocolate covered cherries, which I think is maybe the most disgusting thing that there is to have. I don't know. I'm not entirely sure, but I would never actually touch. But I think, and I think what it's, it's like this meaningful thing where there's just these two old men that are like, um, we're the only two men that will ever actually consume this. So let's just exchange this gift. And it's meaningful. And it's, it's kind of this thoughtful, fun thing, but it doesn't really mean anything to anyone else except for just to those guys say, Hey, I'm thinking about you. And you're thinking about me, and we can laugh about this and have fun. Those are the meaningful kinds of things that happen. And, and certainly that'll happen over the season. But there is some deep, deep, deep meaningful things that God wants to give and impart this season that we can have and receive some meaningful things from him if we'll take the time to do it. Meaning you and I can go through this season, make sure we check off all the boxes, get all the things for the people, make sure everybody's good. And we spent the same amount of dollars on all the kids. You know what I'm talking about, parents, you know? And so um, you can do all that, and then you're taking the stuff down sometime at the end of December for all of you type A people, and then sometime in February for all of you. I will get to it eventually, right? But you'll take the stuff down, and you'll feel kind of empty inside, like you did the thing, but you were missing something, and God's going, hey, I have the something if you'll trust me in this season if you'll come to me. So there's a meaningful thing to be able to have exchanged with God. And that's what we want to lean into with this moment where the Savior of the world came into our existence, came among people, God of the universe, the word, one who literally spoke the universe into existence. He came among us. If you could get that, your head around the power of that. And then he did the thing 
that only he could do. He gave us himself, right? Jesus gave us the greatest gift of all himself, but it was never, ever, ever meant to just be one-sided. He gave us this unbelievable gift. He gave us himself, but it wasn't one-sided. There was an exchange that was supposed to take place. We can go back to Isaiah, who was a prophet, lived 700 years before Jesus would ever come on the scene. 700 years, and he makes these unbelievable, pinpoint, accurate prophecies about what the Messiah would be. And it's where we get in Isaiah chapter 9 when he writes this book. Isaiah chapter 9, it's one of the songs that we sing where we get these names of who this Messiah will be. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. That's in Isaiah 9, you know. That wasn't in the New Testament. That was 700 years before Jesus would come on the scene. Well, a few chapters later in chapter 53, Isaiah begins to describe this Messiah who's going to come to make an exchange with us. And here's what he says, Isaiah 53, verse five. But he was pierced. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we were healed. I want you to see this exchange that's beginning to take place. One of the most powerful things from this text is to see that Jesus was going to bring something to give and that he was going to get something back from us. That's what makes this season so powerful is there's this real exchange. And here's what the Messiah came to do. He came to bring upon him the heaviest weights that we carry as the gifts we bring to him. The the things that we were meant to bring to our king were the heaviest things that we carry. The heaviest weights, the things that have sat on us, that have overcome, overwhelmed. What that scripture is saying is, bring those to me. He says, I'll give you my, the piercing in my body for your transgressions. You give me your iniquities and my body will be crushed for you. It's literally what we just did together in taking communion and taking the bread is to say, I'm giving you my brokenness and you're giving me your broken body. I'm taking the chastisement that was due me and my brokenness. And what do you give me? Peace. I'm going to take my wounds and I'm going to give them to you. And what do you give me? Healing. It's this unbelievable exchange. He's saying the heaviest stuff you're carrying the hardest thing that's in front of you, that's your gift to the God of the universe. That's what we bring to him. What you say, you might ask the question, why aren't we, this is the season, why aren't we supposed to bring him worship? Don't we bring him our hearts and our songs? Absolutely, right? Let's worship, bring songs and bring love and bring adoration. But how do we actually do that? What does that actually look like to bring our heart of adoration to bring our love for God. How is that actually displayed, right? It's when we come to him and we say, I have need. I have need. You want to know how, what it means to truly worship God is to come to him hands open and say, I need you. 
I need you for life. I need your thoughts. I need your heart. I need your ideas. I need your power. I need your forgiveness. I need you. When we come open-handed with our neediness, that's the act of worship God's looking for. It's the reason that the Savior came. He was broken for what? For our iniquity. For us to be able to put that upon him and to say, I need you. And so Jesus comes to this earth and says, okay, then bring me your gifts. Bring me your gifts. What are the things that you carry? So that's the question we ask this season. What's the exchange that you need to make with Jesus in this season? What's the exchange? I mean, we're going to go through this season. You're going to think about your husband. You're going to think about your kiddos. You're going to think about your wife. You're going to think about your aunt and all the things that they might need. And I just say, let's make sure we push the pause button and ask this question. What is it that you, want, you believe Jesus wants from you? And what do you need from him? That's what we want to explore. Uh, over this next few weeks, that's what we're going to look into. What do you need to give him and what does he want to give you? Be easy to say, well, I could really use a cordless drill or something like that, right? And you might need that. And listen, God might meet that kind of need in your life. But let's just go a little deeper because I think that he has something life-giving to give to you in this season. Why? Because he's the greatest gift giver ever. He's the best. He knows exactly what you need. James chapter one, verse 17 puts it this way. It says, every good gift Every perfect gift is where? From above. It's coming down from a good father, father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift is from him. Every good thing that is in your heart, you're longing for, he's the answer to. And he has these things that he wants to make that exchange. And so... The first exchange we just want to begin to make in this season, we'll just take these few minutes to turn our hearts towards us. We're going to begin to exchange our worry for his wisdom, our worry for his wisdom. Now, you guys are already there in Luke chapter two. We're going to get an opportunity to look at a few folks that had a moment of fear and how God began to speak into them. Luke chapter two, verse Eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased." Fear is one of the most base, primal emotions, feelings, experiences that we have. The problem is there's this broken narrative 
around this issue of fear. And I think oftentimes, especially in the church, where the narrative goes something like this, oh, you have, oh, you're experiencing fear or you have worry, or you have anxiety, well, shame on you for not having more faith. Shame on you. You shouldn't have fear. If you had faith, if you were more spiritual or if you were more prayerful, if you were more powerful, then you wouldn't have that feeling of fear. You wouldn't have that. But is that actually the narrative that we see from the scripture? Is that actually the, you see that anywhere in the scripture where God looks at someone who's experiencing fear and says, shame on you. It's not, it's not. Fear is something that begins to happen when we experience all kinds of new things. When you and I face new challenges, new horizons, and we have new hurts, or there, there's new realities that we come to, or maybe there's old temptations or old failures, or some of our past broken dreams, some of those things come up, and they tend to pull fear up in us. So what is fear? What actually is fear? Fear is that emotion that tells us we need help. We need help. So all it really is, is when that thing rises up, we come to something. Each and every day, there's hundreds of decisions we make, and there's an opportunity to uh, see new things in front of us, new challenges, new risks, new opportunities. Fear is that thing that says we need help. That's exactly what's happening, by the way, with these shepherds. I don't know if you've ever actually thought about this in non-cartoonish ways. So I mean this. Can you imagine what it would have been like? These guys, they likely spent their whole life being shepherds, just dudes out on the prairie, sheep, nothing else, just keeping their eyes open as much as they can to make sure no... Wolves are after their sheep. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, angel appears right in front of them, blazing. Now, can you imagine this? I mean, not like Hollywood. I mean, angel just appears. I mean, to change the atmosphere in a moment. Have you ever thought about that? About what that was actually like? And I've, now, I, I'll joke about uh, angels showing up. I don't know if you've ever, you ever thought about like, um, like when you don't, you think like if God's going to ever get me to do something, they're going to have to give and like an angel's going to have to show up to make me like, I have like, uh, I don't like fruit in my dessert. It's a weird thing. All right. You keep your peach cobbler. Okay. I don't need it. Okay. And so I'll often be like, you know, every year somebody in the family will be like, Hey, would you try the you try the peach cobbler this year? And I always say, it would take an angel showing up from the Lord to get me to try that peach cobbler, okay? I know I'm a weirdo, but it, to me, if it's not chocolate, it's, it's not dessert. So you understand that the, the thought of an angel showing up and what happens in this moment? They're scared, fear, something that has never, ever happened in their life before has just occurred and they don't know, they don't have a category for it. Now, everybody can get on board with that reality. Something new is happening 
and you don't know what to do. You're not sure what the right next step is. And at this moment, they're experiencing fear, right? Meaning they're going, we're in trouble. We need help. Where do we go? What is this, right? And the question is, does God shame them for experiencing that fear? Does he say shame on you? No. What does he say? Oh, no, no, no. Don't fear. You don't have to fear because guess what? I have something powerful I'm about to do for you. I have wisdom. I have understanding that you need. Will you bring that to me? That's what he says, right? Don't have fear. Bring me your fear because I have wisdom for you. I know exactly what's going on in your life. I know exactly what you're facing. I know exactly what you feel worried and anxiety about. And I am there and I'm ready to speak life and truth into what's in front of you. Right? Because there's, there's two ways, and it's been this way since we were children. There's two ways that you and I handle fear. There's two base ways, right? Two ways that we look at it. There's a healthy way to experience fear. There's an unhealthy way. What's the unhealthy way? When we experience fear, what do we do? We bottle it up. We don't tell anyone about it. We hunker down to self-protect right? We become fretful and hiding and we try to pretend like the thing's not there. And what do we call that? We call that worry. We call that anxiety. When a fear pops up, we can't say it. We can't talk about it. So we bottle it up and we try to self-protect, right? Hide my fears. I let my insecurities uh, take over and I've become isolated in my fear because I don't want to let anyone else help. Or I'd say here, we think uh, fear is synonymous with weakness, well, if I have fear, then I'm weak, and I can't be weak. This is America. It's wrong to be weak. So I just don't tell anyone about it. And what it does is it begins to root itself deep down inside, and I live in anxiety and worry about the thing that's in front of me. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what to do about it, but I can't tell anyone else about it, and I sure can't tell God about it because that's not from faith. It's the same thing, by the way. It's what we did, <clears throat> if you remember when you were a kid, and you thought you saw something moving in the closet and you were certain it was the boogeyman and you were like, and, and there was two, th there was, even then there was two things you could do. What'd you do? You could sit so still and not move. Like maybe the boogeyman won't see me. Right. And you're, what are you? You're paralyzed. Can't move. Can't say a word. So scared. Or what's the other option? Mom, dad, right? Because you're just thinking if dad can come in here, maybe the boogeyman will get him first, right? That's what you're thinking like, come on, dad, take him on. And what, and what a good dad does, dad comes in there and goes, all right, flips on the light. He walks into the closet. All right, boogeyman, you want some of this, right? And then die, that's right, that's right. Come on, ready to and then, and then what does he do? He takes the extra step, lays down on the floor, puts his arm under the bed. No boogeyman under the bed. Guess what? You're good. This is, the, this is how this has been from the beginning. There's two ways to handle fear. You and I stay locked down in fear, not telling anyone. Or what do we do? We cry out to a good dad and say, I'm scared. I have fear. I have worry. I'm anxious. I don't know what to do. And we bring it to the Father. And what does the Father say? 
Don't worry, son. I've got this. I know. I know everything about you. It's that place where we come and say, you're the safe place. What we want to do is, what we often try to do is will away our fear. You ever had that? You got some fear rising up. Something's going to happen. Something's not going to happen. I'm not going to have this. I'm not going to be able to accomplish that. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling anxiety and worry and doubt and all kinds of confusion on the inside. And what do we try to do? We try to will it away. How's that working for you? And ulcers. Doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. What's God saying? Bring that to me. Bring your fear to me and hear what I have to say. I have life for you. I love how Chip Dodd, author, Voice of the Heart, says, healthy fear leads me into relationship because it helps me recognize that I'm not enough. And church, when good red-blooded Americans can discern and figure out that we're not enough, that's the first step to figuring out we need a king to come and give us his life. He's the one who has enough. So we get to come to him with our not enough our, as Isaiah said, our iniquity and our chastisement and our shortcoming and our lack of peace, and we bring those to him, bring that heaviness to him. That's our act of worship. And God says, bring that here, son. Bring that here, daughter. I have wisdom for you in this moment. I know exactly what you need. I know exactly where I'm taking you. I know exactly where you have to, what I have for your life in the days ahead. I know you. I know every part of you, all the intricacies. I know the thing that you've tucked away back here that no one knows about. Bring that up to me and let's make this exchange. Your fear for my wisdom. Your fear for my wisdom. Fear is what actually helps us open the door, that it actually opens up the door for us to say, bring to God, what do you say, period, or question mark. I'll say it again. When we experience fear, that's the open door for us to finally ask the question, God, what do you say? Not what do I think or feel. Not what is everyone else saying. Lord, what do you say? We asked that question recently of the Lord. Lord, what do you say? Listen, you might be going right now through the toughest season of your life. Got no idea what the future holds. Yeah, no idea what tomorrow is going to bring to you. And it feels frightening. And I want you to hear this. You and I are not doing ourselves any favors by holding on to that so tightly and not letting go and letting that fear drive us to that fresh exchange with God where we say, Lord, here's what I don't know and here's what I feel worried about and here's what I feel fearful of. What do you say? What's your words? What are your thoughts? And make the exchange with him. God, here is my fear. Now give me your wisdom. Give me your wisdom. 
I need new and fresh discernment. And I realize that it comes from you. And then church, hear this. After we do that, after we do that, guess what we get to do? Then we get to go and grab our godly friends and we get to say to them, hey, I have fear. Will you pray with me? Will you be with me? Will you walk with me? To which you might say, I don't have any godly friends. Well, church, what are we here for? Come on, this, is this not what the church is meant to become? Come on, the church has to be so much more than us showing up on Sundays for some amazing music, pretty darn good preaching, right? We got to have more than that. We got to have brothers and sisters we can come to and say, hey, here's what's going on. I got to say this thing out loud. I got to confess this fear that's gripping me. Will you pray with me? Will you be with me in this moment? I bring it to God and I say, God, what do you say? And then I say it out loud to brothers and sisters who are trustworthy so that the church becomes powerful and effective because we're not living in the shadows anymore where the enemy has been trying to press us down from the beginning. But to say, no, this season's going to be different. I'm making the exchange. I'm not holding on to fear. I'm making the exchange for wisdom. It's that opening for us to be able to listen to the wisdom of God. God doesn't shame us when we experience fear. What he's asking for us is to bring it with authenticity to him. That everything that you and I are facing right now, listen, God is trustworthy and he has the answers you and I need, period. Now, uh, I want, please hear this. I am not guaranteeing that he has the answers that you want. And I'm not guaranteeing you that he has the resolution that you're requesting. That's not, because that's not how God works. Nor am I guaranteeing you that he's going to give you exactly what you want to hear when you want to hear it. In fact, I would just say, generally speaking, God is never working on your timetable. I'm not, telling, I'm not saying you can't tell God your timetable. I say be real with God about it. I'm just saying his timetable is just always different. But the truth is, is he knows exactly what you and I need when we need it. And he's a faithful father. So every decision you and I face is a chance to experience new fear that can either descend into anxiety or worry or can become a gift that we get to bring to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you say? What do you say? You might even feel, even today, afraid of something. And the Lord's ready to make that exchange with you. Say, I don't know the way, I don't know the answer. I don't know the outcome, but God, you do. You know exactly where we're supposed to be, exactly where we're supposed to be heading, exactly what you want to accomplish, and you're working for my good 24-7, so I can trust you. And then there's just one final thing that we want to address, and then it's time. Luke, you can come up. Um, I want to address this because I think this happens a lot, and there's a lie that's going on. It's what I call the trapdoor syndrome. And that's this, that as you're walking and things are going okay, you have this nagging thing 
that says, you better watch out because your next step, the bottom's going to fall out. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. Like, yeah, maybe everything's okay, but I know around the corner is bad things. And I'm going to tell you that that is nothing less than the harsh, disgusting voice of the enemy to get you and I to not trust the loving God over our lives. It is a lie from the pit of hell that God is ready to crush and destroy. If you believe that your next step, likely the, the bottom's gonna fall out, it's time to address the area of unbelief that God wants to pull off of your heart. It's time to give him that as your gift. Here's my unbelief. I don't know that I really believe you're good. Notice I'm not saying that you and I won't experience circumstances that bring a lot of challenge in our life. In fact, we all have. The promise from the Father is no matter what happens, I am here for you and I have life and wisdom to give to you if you'll trust me. And so let's pull down the lie of the trap. In fact, Jesus used his own words to pull down that trap door syndrome. He says it this way in Matthew chapter seven. He says, which one of you, if a son asks him for bread, is going to give him a stone. That's the trap door. That's that, yeah, something bad's about to happen. I don't know that I can really trust Father. He's addressing it. He says, or if he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a snake, a serpent. He said, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There it is. This is the exchange. Do you believe God is good? Do you believe he is good for you? Do you believe he's watching out for you? Do you believe at a moment's notice when you're willing to bring your gift of fear to him that he's willing to come and receive it and give you his wisdom and touch your heart and touch your life? That's what we're, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It has to be more than just some cool theology words on a page. It's got to manifest in our everyday lives as you and I make decisions so we look to the future. New fears, new risks, new challenges, new opportunities, new vision, things that are in front of us. And the question is, do you believe and do you trust he is for you? I'm ready to minister, ready to bring his wisdom, bring his word, wash over you. Because it's good good. And that's the promise. So we're going to do that right now. In fact, you guys close your eyes. We got three minutes left. Let's make the exchange. If, if you feel comfortable, you might just put your hand, because this is the gift giving position and the receiving. Put your hands out just to receive and to give. Would you just do this now? Would you just offer to the Lord the heavy weight, the fear that you feel right now. Something that you feel worry, you feel anxiety, you don't know the answer. You don't know how it's gonna work out. Maybe it's money, it's job, relationships. Maybe it's something of your, your own failing or failures or shortcomings and you just feel weight just would you offer that to him right now as a gift
just my fear. Would you just tell him by faith, I'm done striving. I'm giving this to you. And then would you just ask him this question? Okay, it's yours. Now, God, what do you say to me? What are your words to me right now? Ask him right now. Lord, what do you say about this to me? What do you say? Just ask him. Some of you, the Lord's putting just a scripture on your heart. Some of you are just, uh, you're getting a picture right now. Like an actual picture in your mind. The Lord's given that to you. Of what he would say to you. Some of you are maybe just hearing a phrase. It's over and over. Just ask him, what do you say? Lord, we'll bring you And this season, we're bringing you our fear. Thank you for not shaming us, but thank you for receiving it with gladness. We're glad to tell you that we have need. We need help. We need you. We need each other. Thank you for the gifts that we receive from each other. Thank you for the gifts that we receive from you. We choose to walk in it and receive it. Your word, your truth, what you say over what anyone else says your word overall. We make the exchange fresh today. In your name we pray. You guys stand with me. We're going to close out with our benediction. In just a moment, we're going to have some prayer partners that would love to pray with you about anything going on in your world. You need partners for what God's doing. Maybe you need some healing over your body or your heart or mind or whatever. We want to pray with you. We're eager to pray with you connect with you. So we'll be right here Uh, at the end of our time. I'm going to pray benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, 
who is the Messiah and Savior of the world, who is the fulfillment of our peace, we pray. Amen.